0: There are lots of things a business needs to help it run efficiently. Document management, printing, IT support, digitization, data security, and more. As a true managed service provider, Workflow Solutions can help with these and a wide range of other business needs. Saving time and money for businesses across the UK. Help your workflow with Workflow Solutions, the work from anywhere experts. Visit workflo-solutions.co.uk
1: The Go Radio Business Show with Sir Tom Hunter and Lord Willie Hockey with Workflow Solutions.
2: Thomas, what a week.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: the head honcho for the Bank of England says that we just accept that we're poorer.
3: Yeah, I thought that was great coming from him and his multi, <laughs> maybe no million pound salary, but you know, people shouldn't accept that, Well, like, We're about the strivers. We're about the people who want to improve their lot, not accept their lot. So I was quite annoyed when I read that headline. It's shocking. Absolutely shocking.
2: if You know, especially someone who would love it if the GDP increased. Imagine telling people you should just be happy with your lot.
3: So I see it the past couple of weeks, which really annoys me when you're right, But you're looking right again on the inflation seems to be stuck. Putting up interest rates seems to be a blunt instrument. Doesn't seem to be doing it. There's some crazy food figures coming out, Willie. um, But we're not as bad as Argentina. Argentina, Willie, I read this week, inflation is (laughs) 104.3%. and they're contemplating putting interest rate up to 91%. So what do
2: you think about that, Willie? Well, I can tell you, probably the people in Argentina <laughs> of our generation probably be quite happy at that because <laughs> I remember in the 80s and early 90s when inflation in Argentina was running at 1,800%. <laughs> <laughs> so this is probably a good number for them. But no, seriously, that yes, I have said it in the last few weeks. I think... That the Chancellor and Andrew Bailey at my mind have got it completely wrong about how quickly we're going to go back to normal. I do not see them getting towards the 5% that they've been spouting for the last few weeks and all the great news, you know, after yeah. turning around Liz Truss's economic
3: disaster. I think that they are way off. See, see, one thing I've been thinking about this week, Willie. It was sparked by looking across the pond to the President of the United States, Joe Biden, saying that at 80 years old, he was going to run again. So I suppose that gives folk who are getting a wee bit older in age a a second wind. I was thinking, with all the political turmoil, so you've had Trump in America, you've had an an 80-year-old guy who's going to run again. We here have had Boris Johnson, we've had Liz Truss, with all the turmoil of the SNP, First Ministers, what has happened to the quality politicians that run our country? Because if you were going to run a country, you would want the best person to run it. And you and I, and yes, the war was a problem, but Tony Blair was a quality politician. Yeah. I have dealt with President Clinton, President Obama, These people are on a different level. Where are we going wrong?
2: Well, I'd just like to say first, I hope when I'm 80, I can still run. (laughs) (laughs) I can't even run to do it. And I've got to say, watching Joe Biden attempting to run is the funniest thing I've ever seen. It looks like a puppet, right? (laughs) But serious side, this is a really good point. I had a conversation with my son about this this week. And he was making this point about all sectors, right? He was saying that there's no, there's no young people coming through to challenge, and in politics you've got two, you know, octogenarian wanting to lead America and a guy no far behind wanting to challenge him. So where is all this good new young talent in in every? And I think is that. People are kind of getting fed up. People maybe don't want to do it. You think you mentioned Tony Blair? Tony Blair probably had that passion for when he was thirty to want to be a leader.
3: Yeah.
2: I don't think a lot of people know Maybe it's because of the scrutiny. It's because of
3: the media. A lot of people don't want to force yeah. themselves into that position. I mean, just the quality of our leadership. Yeah. Is poor. No. I mean, I think I'm, this isn't a political point. This is a general point. And I'm I'm sitting scratching my head, saying, what can we do to encourage? the correct people to get into the correct positions of power and leadership? I I don't have an answer, Willie, but it's a question. But the thing that happens, right, inevitably, will be when you're an 80-year-old leader,
2: 100% officers will be having more of an influence in policy. When you're 80, you still, still don't want to be making big decisions in your own business, neither do I. Yeah. So if you're running a country and you're heading toward being 84, if you get lucky enough to get another term... There's no doubt in my mind, you're not leading the country. You're just the figurehead that get voted. There's a group of people behind you making policy and decisions.
3: So if any of our listeners today are saying, goodness, I've got an idea, let us know because we're searching. And just in the passing, Willie, the CBI, bad leadership has let a toxic culture take control. That is it going to survive, Willie? It's a spoilt brand. It's gone. Isn't no, it's it? gone.
2: It's gone. It's gone. Yeah,
3: and, and and you know,
2: bringing the lady on board this week. You know who's going to head it up? I think she's got a terrible job to try and turn that around. I think the brand is now broken, and I think it's it's time for
3: a look at a new way of business being represented. I mean, when I when I read that at times of crisis, a business will say, "Okay, old leadership out, new leadership." in, but she was there. During this time, yes. and she left to join Barclays, and now she's back, she's never going to change it because she was she was there at that time, Molly. Yeah. So um interesting about having to deal with culture in your business, how you deal when things go wrong, and this is poor leadership has let that organisation down. But business needs an organisation that can talk to government, yes. is respected by government, so I hope... The, the leaders come up with something better.
2: I think they definitely need a rebranding.
3: Yes. So, Willie, um, a bit of good news this week, um, looking at Scotland, the kind of state of the nation taking the temperature. And the good news was that the tech sector in Scotland is employing, employing about 80,000 people. And 83% of these companies said they're looking to recruit more people. So, it got me thinking, the attraction and retention of talent is the number one thing a business leader has to do. What does Scotland need to do to attract and retain talent? Well, the one thing
2: we certainly don't have to do is to hike the top rate of tax up to 64% or whatever. No, that the,
3: the 68%. You sent me a WhatsApp this week and I thought you were winding me up. Yep. Right. Only 33,000 people
2: in Scotland are in the top bracket unbelievable so what did he think where is the the maths and and the 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 ideology behind that this is a good idea this will be a disaster we praised the fm last week for making changes we did? so here's a message to him whoever is advising you on this you will never attract talent to Scotland if you want to take the top bracket and put it at the levels that you are talking about. If it's 64 or 68, and generally when these things are leaked out, it's probably somewhere in between, so it might be 54 or whatever. But whatever it is, at the moment, right, a senior executive is £5,000 a year worse off living in Scotland if you lived over the border in Carlisle. Goodness me. Right. We have got no chance of attracting the people. The things that you need to attract people is nice environment. Now, it's not all about the job and the money. What's it like for my family to live there? So that takes us on to housing, right? So that's another thing you have to look at. What is the quality of housing? What is the cost of housing? It's been a big, big thing this week, again, about a housing crisis. I mean, you've been talking about it for two years. We have. This, is a, this crisis is definitely an opportunity. So
3: nipping back to tax for a second because when you did set me that I I thought you were winding me up but then I went and looked at it and if we look at the tax base in Scotland it's quite astounding and one of my partners Jim McMahon used to run the special compliance office of HMRC (laughs) but I had to bring him in (laughs) Willie to keep him on side and I asked Jim to have a look at this and there is 1.8 million people in Scotland don't pay any tax. Inactive, yes. No tax at all. Um, The basic rate of tax, 1.1 million people pay it. And then the thing I thought you'd wind me up, only 33,000 people are paying the top rate. So I would say to our First Minister, it's not about the rate of tax. It's about the tax take, not the tax rate. And therefore... There's this thing called the Laffer Curve, which has got a few politicians into trouble. But in its simplest form, it basically says there's a tipping point of putting tax up where you put the rate up and and you, you actually take less. So who thought this was a good idea, Willie? So we need to have a vibrant economy where people want to come. We've got a wonderful country. So all the other stuff to attract and retain talent is there. So it would be a great job, it would be a great place to live if you can find a nice home, but you're having to pay a super tax. No way, Jose. That cannot happen, Willie. It's dead simple. If there's only
2: 33,000 people in the higher bracket, if me and you were brought that problem just now We would not be looking at these. We would be looking at the 1.8 million inactive who are paying nothing, who are having to help and support our number one priority would be to get 50,000 of those people into work yep. and being active that will help 10 times more than lifting the tax threshold at the, higher, the highest bracket so all the things we've been talking about in the past few weeks, the whole green agenda all the things, there'll be big opportunities for Scotland and the housing crisis, put all that together and I'll guarantee you there's 50,000 jobs, meaningful jobs there so that's what we should be focusing on but if anyone thinks at all you're Right. It is bonkers if you think it's a solution to lift the higher tax bracket.
3: And if there's any clever nippy sweeties out there thinking we're talking about our own, you know, huh. I'm I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> and this is not about my tax rate or Willie Hawkey's tax rate. We want people to come here, create jobs, pay their tax, and that's how the world goes round this is going to put people off coming here and it's going to put off the talent that these businesses need. So, First Minister, come, listen, learn and help Scotland. Yes, I totally agree with you. Where are we going next, Willie? <laughs> Let's
2: talk about Elon Musk. Elon Musk, right. brilliant. Now, you know more about this than me. You're involved. My pal Elon. You invest, but this week... And this week, he's changed completely his attitude from last week, right? So last week, he was he was spouting about, quite rightly, about the dangers of AI. Yes. And chatbots and all of these things. This week, he's talking about maybe there's a potential for AI now to clone humans. Right, yes. Now, this is Frankensteinian. What are we doing here? So, Tom, you know more about this than me, so Frank-in-st- over to you.
3: Jock jocksteinian. Do <laughs> you think so, Ali? So... Um, well, the ironic thing about Elon is viewing all this is he was one of the first investors of Open A- AI, yeah. <laughs> which started the whole thing. So he gets it, Willie. Yeah. But then, once he sold out or whatever he did with it, he then denounced it. But interesting this week, we are we're investors in in. Um, Google Alphabet and Microsoft. So we listened to their earnings calls, and we were on them this week, and I had someone count. So on the earnings call of Google, AI was mentioned 52 times, wow. and on Microsoft, it was mentioned 36 times. PwC's come out and said they're going to put a billion dollars into genitive AI over the next three years, to help their teams work faster and smarter. So I'm getting a lot of questions. Tom, what's AI? So I'm going to find a guest, Willie, get them on the show, just to say, what does it mean for the businesses who listen to this show? AI, opportunity or threat? I'm going to say opportunity straight away. Um, But I think we need to know a wee bit more about it, so I'm going to try and find as a guest. Okay. Okay. Just to finish
2: this segment, unfortunately, I want to finish it in a wee negative. No, right? no. I know, I know, and I hate doing this. I've spent quite a bit of time in Glasgow over the last few weeks. Right. And I've been also, uh, I've, I've, on a few occasions, I've been picking people up for the airport and I've been there a couple of times. Glasgow looks as if it's back in the 1980s. Really? It's, you know, it's, it's dirty, you know, it needs cleaned up. What's happening? I'm urging the leaders of the city, what is going on in the city? And also, when I was at the airport, Tom, it looks as if it's only half the flights in and out of Glasgow that there used to be. Really? So it's good, I think, you know, we'll ask Stuart a wee bit later on, but come on, to the leadership in Glasgow, let's get our finger out, let's get the place cleaned up a wee bit.
3: Well, I've got to finish on a high. So, um... This is a pre-record this week because when this goes out on Sunday morning, I'll be on the world's biggest kilt walk, which takes place in Glasgow, Brilliant. Willie. And um, we had to close the numbers because we couldn't cope. And well, there'll be 14,000 people in kilts raising money for what they care about. 856 different Scottish charities are going to benefit on Sunday Willie so I still think Glasgow is miles better
2: brilliant good luck to everyone who's, who's going to participate in the Kilt on Sunday
1: coming next at Hunter and Hockey chat to Kevin Martin Managing Director of MML Leisure Limited the Go Radio Business Show with Workflow Solutions part of the Scottish Procurement Framework for Managed Print Solutions available to all public sector bodies and charities Go.
0: There are lots of things a business needs to help it run efficiently. Document management, printing, IT support, digitization, data security, and more. As a true managed service provider, Workflow Solutions can help with these and a wide range of other business needs. Saving time and money for businesses across the UK. Help your workflow with Workflow Solutions, the work from anywhere experts. Visit workflo-solutions.co.uk.
1: The Glasgow Chamber of Commerce update with Chief Executive Stuart Patrick on the Go Radio Business Show. It's
2: great to welcome back a friend of the show, Stuart Patrick. Stuart, welcome.
4: Thank you very much. Good morning, Stuart. Good morning. I'm looking forward to the good news. Well, there's some in here. Great. We've got a bit. Since my last visit to the studio, we've been exploring new opportunities for international trade in Southeast Asia, among the fastest growing markets in the world. One of the advantages of being a Chamber of Commerce is the access we have to our international network of British Chambers of Commerce. There are over 70 overseas British Chambers, each with excellent local networks, and my journey took me to the BCC in Singapore, in Thailand, and in the Indonesian capital, Jakarta. With support from the University of Strathclyde, Edrington, and Emirates, I was able to get an initial sense of the trade links we could make to grow business in food and drink, renewable technologies, education and healthcare, to choose only a few examples. And just one week after I got back home, Britain finished negotiations to join the Trans-Pacific Partnership for Trade, which includes four Southeast Asian countries in Singapore, Malaysia, Vietnam and Brunei. With Thailand also expected to apply to join soon, the context for expanding trade and investment in Southeast Asia is Only going to improve. Our aim is to build interest in trading and investment links and to take chamber members out to the region over the next 12 months. And now that Emirates has reintroduced the A380 to Dubai from Glasgow Airport, the availability of seats to get there is expanding quickly. Here at home, much has been happening. BAE Systems celebrated the first steel cutting for HMS Birmingham, the fourth of the eight Type 26 frigates it's building for the Royal Navy. The work is also underway to build a vast new shipbuilding hall over the former govan wet Basin that will allow future vessels to be built undercover. We should also be hearing very soon more details about the 11 projects selected to share in 33 million of funding under the UK Government's Innovation Accelerator Partnership Programme. These projects are designed to encourage private investment in some of the most exciting research coming out of our universities. And having been involved in the project selection, I can guarantee that the mix of technologies and companies being supported will be a genuine boost to sectors that are going to be an important part of the future of Glasgow's economy. As a chamber, we've been loudly supporting the aim of the city's three innovation districts, and we would argue that the pipeline of future projects is so strong that another round of innovation funding is fully justified. Developments in our city centre are also making progress uh, and Landsec are submitting planning applications for their redevelopment of Buchanan galleries imminently. We saw the broad principles of the plans at the city centre task force this week and the economic impact will be positive and substantial. The city's Council has also approved its action plan for taking proactive steps to reduce the number of empty shop units and offices blighting the likes of Socky Hall Street. And we should see the results soon of the Council's review of the Golden Z. New flexibilities and planning and a clear direction for these vital high streets would be welcome outcomes of that work. Perhaps more controversially, the enforcement of Glasgow City Centre's low emission zone begins in June. The Chamber supports the objectives of the LEZ in improving the city centre's air quality, and we have welcomed the investment made especially by the bus companies in upgrading their fleets to meet the emission standards. Many chamber members do have concerns, however. The current advertising campaigns felt to be overly negative, giving the impression that all cars and commercial vehicles will be affected and that as a result, potential city centre customers will be put off coming in. We're very keen for the message to get out that all vehicles that already meet the standards, such as petrol vehicles registered after 2006 and diesel after September 2015, will be unaffected. More positively, Chamber members have been welcoming the First Minister's announcements on the deposit return scheme and on the consultation on alcohol advertising restrictions. That's uh, welcome. Uh, It's still a bit cautious, though, as in neither case has the issue been put to bed. But there is enthusiasm for the suggestion that the government's relationship with business will be reset. And finally, on the 24th of May, the Chamber is holding its first in an annual series called the Congress of Business. This is our event, bringing business together to examine the progress we're making to meet our contributions to the objectives set out in the Glasgow Climate Pact at COP26. We want the world to see that Glasgow's businesses are making the investments needed and explore what more needs to be done. So with Baroness Martha Lane Fox, Thomasina Myers and Keith Anderson, among many others in the programme, please look out for the Congress on the Chamber communication channels. Brilliant, Stuart.
3: That is Comprehensive summary. News.
2: Yeah. It's not all good news. Come on, Willie. No. Come on. The LEZ, it's, you know, whatever way we want to dress it up, it's a tax on the poor. Okay. So to explain, Tom, if you have a car that's over six years old and you want to get into the city centre, you'll get fined £100, I believe, on the first occasion. £100? And Ollie. if you go in again, right, then I think the fine goes up to £200. Right. So everyone, we we talk about every week, Stuart, that we we, we all would love to get to net zero. We'd all love to do. But why are we hitting the poorest first? This is just a tax, right? So I don't know. And some of your members, obviously, and other people have said that.
4: Is this the best we can come up with? I do think that one of the challenges we've said all along that we support the measures to try and improve air quality. Everybody, and, and we don't. We, we we think the air quality issue is part of the climate change issues, but actually, it's it's a wee bit more se- separate. I think it's a health issue more than anything else. So we take that on board. I think there's real urgency uh, in uh, public circles to try and get Glasgow to move first to get its LEZ in place. Our argument is well, if you are going to put that kind of disincentive. Uh, to people and as you quite rightly say it's people with older cars and obviously they're going to be on the whole poor uh, residents in the city. It would be equally good to see the same urgency going into improving the public uh, transport network. So we are very keen to see the Clyde Metro we can't have the Clyde Metro being set out as a 30 year project, that has to be a 10 year project at at the longest so we want to see the urgency in getting those new options for public transport into the city. Bus partnership again, there's 500 million pounds To be drawn down from the Scottish Government. It's not happening fast enough to make buses more attractive uh, than they are at the So this is a town. perfect example,
2: Stuart, that you've just mentioned one initiative, right? So any large infrastructure projects we've got, the airport link, the metro link, anything where it was costing the government money is being kicked into the grass, long grass, right? So they've had the headlines for it. But what we what we
4: are doing and we're doing tomorrow is we're taxing the poor. Well, certainly understand the uh, you know from our perspective the idea that we're going to make uh, the city. Centre unattractive for anybody at the moment when footfall is still about 10% below where it was pre pandemic isn't attractive. So we might have preferred to see another year of preparation, but we're accepting that that is the uh, desired timeframe that uh, the City Council is going to work with. Our ask is for a greater degree of flexibility around some of the exemptions in this. For example, you know, if you're a commercial operation with vehicles that are not eligible. Um, Quite often we're hearing stories about companies trying to get vehicles that will be eligible, but they just can't get them on the market yet. So there's going to be some real disruption to companies wanting to serve the city centre. We're concerned about that uh, just as much as we are concerned about anything that chases people uh, away from the city centre. So we'd like a bit of flexibility around the early introduction of it, but it's very difficult for us to... Uh, argue against improving air quality. That's going to make the city centre attractive, more attractive in the long run.
2: So here's a prophecy, just like the rent freeze bill, just like the bottle return scheme, the point you're making is there's not been enough thought being put into this and this will turn out to be a shambles.
3: We will wait and see. Are you putting words in Stuart's mouth there? No,
2: no, 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 no. no. (laughs) It's a prophecy from from me. But I think, but Stuart, there's a lot of good news there, a lot of good things happening. But... I've been in Glasgow, we've mentioned it earlier, and the first thing we have to do is clean the city up. Right? Well, the yeah. city looks... Um, you
4: know, my son was here and he says Glasgow looks like the 1980s. Uh, uh, there's a frustration, I won't deny it. Uh, we've worked quite closely with the officials in the city on, particularly focused on the city centre, yeah. graffiti, litter, street furniture, pavements, and... Uh, the empty units themselves and actually the team that are trying to do they put more resources into it. they are making every effort they can to try and tackle it we're not helping them i have yeah. to say there has been a real upsurge in antisocial behavior post-pandemic it's reduced fairly significant yeah. from this time a year ago but it's still there and it's vandalism is a particular aspect of it so we're in a real battle to try and tackle this we're still using phrases like the golden Z. There's no such thing as a golden Z
2: anymore, right? So let's get me Cannon Street buzzing, right? It's the golden eye, <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, and you know, on, I would be all for uh, you know, try to regenerate the golden Z, but when you look at some of the situations, you know, running at Martin Spencer's now at Street, and some of the stuff in Sucky Hall Street, you know, it, it surely it can't be beyond this to come up with a plan to reinvigorate these two parts of the city.
4: And I think that plan is coming. Yeah. Uh, I think there is a recognition that, there, you know, Suggie Hall Street is short. Yeah. There's no yeah. argument about that. And there's a real desire to get more new uses into Suggie yeah. Hall Street. That needs more flexibility and planning yeah. for it to happen. And it also needs a little bit of cleverness about yes. how yes. Uh, projects are funded. And yeah. um, There may be need, a need for some form of incentives, either using housing grants that are already there, yeah or perhaps using some tax incentives yeah. um, to help refurbish buildings. That would help. Yeah. Um, but there is a clear de- uh, desire to come up with a new use yeah. or a new sense of the role of uh, Soggy Hall Street. So, yeah. you know, land sex development will completely change yeah. what the end of Soggy yeah. Hall Street uh, yeah. at the Appian yeah. Street looks like. What we need is to be able to say, is Soggy Hall Street going to have a different kind of life? Yeah. Not a retail centre any longer, more of a leisure centre, an art centre. There's so yeah. many facilities yeah. around Soggy Hall Street whole street that could be the core of a we've called it the avenue of the arts but you've got the gft and you've got the yeah. uh, glasgow school of art and center for contemporary arts uh royal conservatoire all in that area yeah. what can we do with the, the, that concentration yeah. other high streets would kill for that kind of asset to help yeah. them regenerate
2: yeah I, I also think stuart that um you know it's encouraging we see some cranes in the city. So there's obviously developments, you know, friends at Tom's you and know, the Battle Brothers thinking about developing the car park there. And city. you know, it's building loads of nice houses. This is all good, but we need a joined-up plan. We don't just need, what, you know, people as like private developers, here's what they're doing. Where's a joined-up approach to what's happening in the whole city centre. And I think part of that task force, you know, it has to be kind of elongated. How do we, how do we get more and more people involved? We I say, be, before we run out and do something, what does that mean over here? What does it mean for where we're going to live, where we're going to shop, where we're going to eat, what we're going to do? Instead of everybody having an idea, but I think that um, that there is there is green shoots, right? But we need to do more, especially on the on the
4: cleanliness. All good. I mean, I couldn't disagree with uh, anything that uh, Willie has just said there. There is a need for that kind of plan. Again, I I take hope from the way in which our local politicians and officials are talking about the need for that. They do recognise that. Perhaps we need to move a little quicker uh, in getting it uh, on the ground, but I think the will is
3: there. May I just say it probably comes down to leadership once again. Good leadership gets good things done. I'll leave it at that. George, one wee last question.
2: It's great you're on the trade mission, you know, to to Asia and obviously the whisky companies were there. What was all the chat around um, the Prime Minister's resistance to look at the 10% levy? you know they've they've put their life up by 10% in whiskey I take it that's not been doing well
4: Uh, well I think we all know that that was not uh, popular and uh, I mean the whiskey industry has been doing well uh, through the, pretty much through the pandemic might be having slightly tougher times in the market just now from some signals so it wasn't helpful to put an extra barrier in the way of uh, keeping the whisky industry and motoring as one of our biggest exports. I mean, it is quite clearly uh, one
3: of our most successful exports in, in overseas markets everywhere you go. Well, Rishi's in Glasgow over the weekend, so yeah. I'm I'm sure he'll be ringing your phone, Willie, and having a wee chat.
2: Yes, the Tory conference is in Glasgow this weekend. It's in a phone
3: box at the bottom of <laughs> Buchanan Street. <laughs> <Not> anybody... <laughs> and that's it from the Go Radio Politics Show. <laughs>
1: The Go Radio Business Show with Workflow Solutions. Turning your paper-based processes into organized and digital workflows. Go
0: Radio. There are lots of things a business needs to help it run efficiently. Document management, printing, IT support, digitization, data security and more. As a true managed service provider, Workflow Solutions can help with these and a wide range of other business needs. Saving time and money for businesses across the UK. Help your workflow with Workflow Solutions, the work-from-anywhere experts. Visit workflo-solutions.co.uk.
1: The Go Radio Business Show with Hunter and Hockey. This week's special guest is Kevin Martin, Managing Director of MML Leisure Limited. Kevin has dedicated his entire career to the hospitality and leisure industry.
5: Kevin, good morning. Good morning, guys. How
3: are you? Good morning, Kevin. So, we've never met before, but Willie... Well, he doesn't speak highly of everybody, but he speaks highly of you, so I am highly anticipating this conversation. <laughs> no pressure then, Tom. So the listeners
2: this morning, they'll know what MML means, right? That's obviously your parent company name. Tell the listeners a wee bit about your company, what you do, background, how you've got to where you are. Uh, do you want me
5: to start from the beginning or? Yes, go on. Okay, so I started on my obsession with the hospitality industry started probably at the age of 12 years old. Wow. <laughs> so my older brother, Dominic, is a DJ and music producer. Right. So if we go back to the 90s, there was a nightclub, which you guys might be familiar with, which was called The Tunnel on Mitchell Street. Yes. I believe it. The...
3: I could never get in, but
5: <laughs> I, I remember it. I believe at the time it was owned by the big beat group, Ron McCulloch, maybe, yes. at yep. the time. I know Ron,
3: actually. Yeah. Yeah.
5: So there was an under-18s night there, and my brother was a the DJ there. Right. So from the age of 12, I was absolutely obsessed by this idea and this concept of a nightclub and what it meant and what it was like. And my brother had described it in great detail to me. So okay. he would come home every Saturday, tell me all about it. Long story short, I bent my mother's ear uh, for two years before she would let me go. <laughs> so by the time I got to 14, she finally relented Uh, probably at the behest of my father, uh, to finally let me go. Right. Um, When it was everything that I kind of hoped and expected it to be. And I think from that point onwards, that set me in my path. I was absolutely hooked. Wow. Um, I just loved the experience of the music, the lighting. Just the the whole experience was, uh, I suppose, transformative and really shaped me from that point.
2: In, in those days, Kev, would you go there just as, a, as a, a, an underage
5: reveller? Absolutely. Right. So they, they actually don't really exist anymore, guys, in nope. any great numbers. There used to be quite a lot of them, certainly yeah. in the 90s and early 90s. There was a lot of different nightclubs in the city which would cater, obviously, to over-18s. They would run some under-18s parties. They're not as prevalent now, but they were at the time. Um, and pretty much within, I would say, a month of going, by 14, I was a PR guy. So you would go and get all your mates and tell everybody that you knew that was the same age as you, all your friends to come along and that was your job. That was the PR job at the time.
3: So, Kevin, I'm always interested in people's journeys and how they get there. So this enthusiasm and obvious, you've got a talent for it, was that just natural in you? Your brother was an influence. How about your mum and dad? Was there things going on there that got you on this entrepreneurial journey? Or?
5: I, well, certainly my dad's been in business for himself for a number of years. He's right. a property guy, so he's a quantity surveyor and a he's, a manager, he's a quality builder. Quality builder. builder. Okay. <laughs> so that's what he is. So okay. My brother was more academic than I. My, my journey actually started, I used to play violin and piano, right. um, which I think is the same as uh, Andy that was on last week uh-huh. uh, Andy Lothian uh, was talking he was on about the, the fiddle, fiddle. <laughs> so I did that um, and I quickly realised that I played till I was about 18 but I, I realised by the age of about 14 that I was never going to be what you would say as a Premier League footballer standard I was pretty good at violin, I was rotten at piano, and I thought, well, actually, I enjoy this more, so this is probably... At that age, I realised this is, this is going to be my career path. Before that, it was music. I was kind of right. planning to go and study. At the time, it was the RSAMD. Um, yeah. My but, son went there. Yeah. yeah. So, so,
3: so you get into the tunnel, but somebody sees something in you. Yes. Because that's... In every entrepreneur's journey, Willie, there's always somebody there going aye, I can see something in this. So who was it? Can you remember? So it would have been,
5: I guess, um, my brother. And all my brother and his friends were DJs, so they were older, and it was their job, obviously, to as well as play music, to bring people to the venue. Right. So me being younger than Dominic and obviously being his biggest fan as a younger guy, it was my job to get the revelers in, I suppose. Um, So it would be him, probably, that seen something and many encouraged me on that path, I would think.
2: And would he reward you for that? Do you get paid? I would get a
5: couple of <laughs> high-fives at the weekend if ah, I was lucky. Nothing? No I, money? So no uh, money you changed? Know,
2: your young sibling to work for nothing?
5: There was no money until I moved to, at the time, another big club in the 90s, which you guys don't remember, which was called Archaos. Yes, Archaos,
3: right. Yes. I, don't yes. Think I think I've never been in
5: there, but uh, okay. And that, uh, I went there at 15 years old and that was where the management team had seen something in me um, and I kind of started to head up the PR team, if you like, and all the sort of... There was a team of maybe... 15 of us and we all went to different schools and Uh our job was to go into your school or into your local area and get everybody to come in. This This is for the Unders again. This is for the Unders again and get everyone to come to your under-18s event, which at that time was the Arceus Unders and it was a hugely busy um, event every week. It would go from 5.30 to 9.30 and it would be, you know, a thousand school kids. So you were cutting your teeth.
3: You were learning by doing here, Kevin. Absolutely,
5: learning by doing and I realised pretty young. but uh, By the time I was 16, and at 16 you were old enough to then work in the venue doing other jobs, you couldn't serve alcohol. right? But because I had such a passion for the industry, I knew that I wanted to know how to do every job. Okay. So by 16, I was in at the weekend collecting glasses, at the <laughs> over-18s. Yeah. So you would be collecting glasses, washing glasses, it was a busser, that's what the job yeah. was. That was. But you're always watching. Always and watching learning. And, and learning. And I think my first light bulb moment, I'm a sort of details guy in terms of, uh, I think, things like lighting and music and all the details matter. And I think my first light bulb moment was I came from the tunnel at 14. And at 15, I walked into uh, any listeners will remember in our chaos, or any listeners of a certain age, shall I say, <laughs> will remember uh, the round room in our chaos. And I distinctly remember walking in and thinking, this doesn't feel right. Uh-huh. And it was the sound system. I remember thinking, this isn't loud enough. This doesn't feel right. And years later, I was talking to the chap that actually did the sound system in there about, I would say about 15 years later. And I told him this story and he said, you're absolutely correct. Because in the first year of that venue, the sound system was inferior to what the tunnel had. Because they spent all their money, obviously, doing up the building (laughs) and all the rest of it. But you could tell. I, I didn't know what it was. I just knew that the environment that i came from, that I'd been in for maybe a year as a young guy,
3: was completely different. Right, so so tell us the next bit of the journey. To, for the listeners today, you go from collecting the glasses to getting your own venue. So how does that come about?
5: So, uh, that's a good question. I wanted to do every job, so I worked for a while doing some DJing, working in different places. As we know, the laser industry is quite a transient industry, so people come and go um, and, uh, in and out of different jobs all the time so I did some DJing I stuck with the PR I ran some individual kind of promoter led nights which I very quickly realised Tom we're not going to pay the bills <laughs> so I met right. sort of the most pivotal moment would be when I was about 20 I met a chap called Mark Goldinger uh, and Mark was a bit of a maverick uh, a real music guy always involved in sort of leisure and hospitality and entertainment most specifically in nightclubs and he was opening a new club called Bamboo. Right. Which uh, is still there, it's on West Regent Street. And he asked me to come and head up the marketing and PR and actually open the club with him. Um, so we did that in 2002 and it was very successful. Uh, it went for a number of years. And I stayed in that business. And the reason why I'm saying, I'm um, highlighting the transient nature of jobs within hospitality. I made a conscious choice quite young, at that age of 20, I thought I'm going to stay in this business for a decade because, as we all know, hospitality is always built on shifting sands. Mm-hmm. So when you open a place, we all know it becomes the hot place to go. Right. Everybody loves hopefully. it. Hopefully. Aye, hopefully. Yeah. If it goes the way it should, uh, it's always a hot place to go for a number of years. And then things tail off. The really interesting part for me was... How do you keep a place going?
3: Well that's a great question Kevin. So how do you keep a place going? With great difficulty <laughs> Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was
5: uh, the as we all know you always learn more when the chips are down or when things are difficult or right. tougher. And I don't know why I wanted to stay in, but most people would stay in a place for a number of years. It would be great. And then if it started to fade in popularity, they moved to the next new thing. Right. I never wanted to do that because I wanted to be part of the arc of a business and see how it would work. Uh I wanted to know, well, when it gets a bit quieter, what do you do? Uh Um, How do you regenerate it? How do you target new markets? How do you learn your craft? And I don't know how conscious a decision it was, but it was certainly a decision that I made because I did have offers to go to other places as you would because you'd run a successful place. And it did go through a a couple of years where we were finding our feet again and discovering what we were. And lo and behold, within a couple of years, by the time you get to the end of the noughties, you've got a, a nightclub that's as busy as it was in the first two or three years. And that's quite rare. Generally what happens, I think we all know, is you have leisure businesses that open they have a name, they have a brand, and then every five years, six years, they regenerate. So that business didn't do that. We wanted to invest in a brand in terms of it being a quality brand that had longevity. Um, And we did that with great success.
2: I think you're right about that. If you look back in history, you know, and this is a wee bit after my time, but all of the trendy places, especially when you're building something for young people, you're lucky if you get a six-year cycle of course we so mention all the good places that we will remember when we were young you know Panama Jacks, Victoria. <laughs> no, but but when you were building a nightclub back then for an older generation like the Sav, of course, right? it, a, it could last the forever. Sav. Right, it could, last, you know, and uh, you know, John Quigley, good pal of mine. Yeah. I remember the first time I was in it, and I couldn't move in the carpet. Right, but and if you were ever, ever in these places when the lights were on during the day, you're like, oh my god, I can't believe I come to this place. <laughs> right? That's what my dad said when I took him to the Cotton Club. Of course, right? he was going to paint it. And he went, Don't you tell took me your you dad? Come Oh, you took I, him to, he to, was paint was going going to paint it. painted it, right? <laughs> but but it's funny, but the point that you make there that for a especially for a young people's venue to your last 10 years at the top you know, that, that you did that was uh, astounding
5: yeah i mean it was certainly hard work but i really enjoyed it and i was actually uh, with my one of my colleagues uh ross Maguire. uh we were talking during the week about a couple of things we want to improve in our business right now and we just sort of flashed a smile at each other and it was a kind of unspoken moment that that's that's the things you enjoy, actually. Right. Is yeah. when there are improvements required or you need to get your head into something and, and make it, make something better or imp- make improvements to the business.
3: So, so, Kevin, just talk me through working for someone to working for yourself because that's, that's what the listeners want to hear. For sure. So, we,
5: I knew through my... I twi- probably had opportunities to go and do your own thing through right. your 20s, but I instinctively knew that I, w- I wasn't ready okay. and I think a lot of people
3: make that decision and I, I mean, think hasty... that's very insightful because a lot a lot of people go oh, yeah. I've got to do it as quick as possible yeah. but you're saying you were learning your craft I deliberately you delayed, delayed it young man yeah. Biding your time well I, that is that is unusual I, I would, think so. I would say and it
5: wasn't a fearful thing it wasn't anything to do with anything other than I wanted to be properly equipped because I, I knew how difficult it had been because I'd been part of a business for so long in the same business. I knew it was going to be difficult not just to run your own business, but manage it and manage the staff and yeah. all those other things that as an employee, yeah. you don't need to deal with. Somebody yeah. else does it for you. So I was 30 years old when I started my first business. So my first nightclub with my business partner was Kokomo. Okay. Uh, we named that after a great band that used to warm up for the average white band That's in the sure. Barrowland. Aye. So Brilliant. I thought it was a great name for a nightclub because it had its roots in music.
3: Yep. We opened
5: that in 2013. Very successful. Still going to this day. And I exited that in 2020.
3: So so how did you get the money together? How did you get... Because this transition from working and you've taken your time, which is good on you, but then you're saying, um, I want to do this. So how do you go about that?
5: So I'd saved... M- pretty much all my bonuses and I've been saving for a number of years because right. I knew from the age of about 18, I'm going to have my own nightclub one wow. day. So I just, I, I you knew, really I, planned yeah, it that far I really had, had... planned it wow. and I'd saved everything. The partner that went into business with at the time, Brian Richards, he had the majority of the capital at the time, but we'd been working together for such a long time that we knew it was a good fit. Right. Um, so he invested his money, I invested my money, and lo and behold... I think it took us 15 weeks to build it and he pressed it with the nightclub. Kokomo, so, right? Yeah, Brilliant. Kokomo. And that was that. And it's still, um, obviously I exited a few years ago, but it's still going now. Is it
2: still there, right? Yep, still right. there, yep. Right. But can, can I make a point here, because this is really interesting, uh, for the listeners, that what you've done here is that um, you've got a plan where you know that in the future you want to do your own thing, but you're also conscious that you've got, I would call this working MBA so, okay. right, okay. so you're working through this business, you're learning everything. First, you're learning by being paid, by working for someone else, and then you're learning in a partnership. And only at the point when you think that you know most things that you need to be successful in business, to do your own thing, then do you jump. Of course. Right? I think that's a great lesson for anybody listening yep. who's thinking about entering in business.
5: And what I would say is, you think you're ready and you realise that you're not. <laughs> 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 that's
2: the same everybody.
5: Nowhere near it and you realise that you're just winging it. So yeah, definitely it was a conscious decision to take my time. And it was the right decision for sure because I was mentally prepared for it, I think, as well. Um, so yeah it was the right thing for me some people would go earlier some people would go a bit later but it just instinctively knew at the time it was the right thing
3: right right. and, so, so, and with a partner because listeners today you know we've did some research which says you know solo entrepreneurs are can be successful but if you find the right partner you can be really successful yes. so how do you go about finding that partner Kevin so
5: in my, uh, in my existing business, uh, I, I believe in collaboration. I really enjoy collaboration. Right. I think I think there's strength in needing others uh, in business, to be honest. Yeah. um, And I think that I really enjoy sitting, as we are at the table just now, I really enjoy sitting and having a conversation and talking things through. Right. I don't enjoy being on my own with it as much because I think a shared endeavour is a great endeavour. Right, mm-hmm. Um, and so I think in, in the existing business that I'm in with my two partners, uh, Gary and Chris, we all sort of weave in and out of each other. We can all do each other. We all specialize at certain things. So we all know our lane in that business. Right. But we can all do each other's jobs to an extent as well. Okay. So it's a great blend of skill sets with everybody specializing And he's good at that and he's good at that and so on and so forth. So I like working with partners because I think you can get to where you're going quicker.
2: Right. So, as I said earlier, people will not know what MML is. They've obviously know about bamboo and Kokomo. Obviously, at the moment, you're tearing Glasgow apart. So, yeah. would you like to tell the <laughs> listeners about your
5: latest venture? So, the latest venture is, uh, we, so, as we all know, COVID came along in 2020. The start of 2020, uh, there was an opportunity to take on a complex on Royal Exchange Street in Glasgow. Okay. I believe at the last count, and this is the last count, guys, it was 44,000 square feet. Wow. Yep. So if you can imagine in 2020, everything shut down. I think we can all agree it was one of the most beleaguered sectors of all yes. during that period. Uh, I had, My wife Sarah and I had just started a family with our young son Miles arriving in uh, Hogmanay 2020. <laughs> and I thought in 2021, what a great time to complicate <laughs> my life even further. <laughs> so uh, myself, uh, Gary and Chris, my partners, we'd been friends for a long time we'd never found the right opportunity to work together. Uh, And we instinctively, I knew uh, that this would be the thing for the three of us to attack together. Right. Um, So we worked through 2021 getting our plans for each space together and we opened our first venue in December 2020. I need to get my dates right here because the last 16 months (laughs) have been a (laughs) whirlwind. Uh, (laughs) So... In 2021, December, we opened our first venue, which is Kong. Right. Um, which is on Royal Street Square. And then uh, about a month after that, we opened our second venue, January, uh, no, we opened that in December 2021 as well. And then we opened Wonder Bar in June 2022. And then just five weeks ago, we opened the Wonder Bar Ballroom. Wow. Right, wow.
3: Wow. So-
5: so it's been quite a busy few months guys. So,
3: <laughs> so what's the concept because i I've I've never been well he's well he's threatening to take me but I think I'm a bit old for this. Okay, so in Kong we have a I guess it's a cocktail bar. And right. um,
5: we do some really nice uh, pannies and menu offerings um and it's a uh, Really, quite a beautiful space. Well, he's been in. Hopefully, he'll testify yeah, to that. Yeah. It's um, a really nice space, um, a nice mixed demographic, um, and, and just a, a really great space to go and kick back and relax and enjoy yourself at the weekend. Right, uh, and great for a cocktail midweek.
3: Okay. Yeah.
5: Um, Hide and seek is probably the most mm, I would say the most electronically music-led uh, venue. So uh, in the in the building, and that is uh, again as a sort of cocktail bar, but with a bit of a twist and a bit more of an edge. So that is, again, open Seven Nights. And then we opened Wonder Bar, which is a live music venue fused with a kind of Czech and German beer hall concept. Okay. of our own, our own take on it. Right.
3: Yeah.
5: Um, the Wonder Bar Ballroom is, I guess, an extension of that, but a huge, big... Uh, live space that is I guess inspired slightly by the roaring 20s which I guess we're in at the moment uh-huh. um, of 100 years <laughs> a <whole>. ago uh, <laughs> and that opened five weeks ago and the whole the whole ethos behind the Wonder Bar concept was live music obviously is nothing new but how do you put it in a venue that people will be excited by uh-huh. how do you put it in an environment where actually the live guys are the stars of the show and um, our concept was to do uh, cover music. So quite often, I'm sure you guys have experienced this, you can go out and there's live music and there's some singer-songwriter sitting in a corner um, playing the music that they wrote in their bedroom the night before that nobody's ever heard before. We wanted to do the exact opposite of that. We wanted to make sure that everyone could come in, sing Read along, stuff. have a great time and... Take local guys who are really talented musicians and make them the stars of the show, so that their friends, their aunties, uncles, whoever can come and see them and have a great time in a fantastic
2: environment. Yeah.
3: Right.
2: So I, I keep threatening to take you, uh, and I and I do need to take you because I know that you're you're interested in the hospitality. I am, and yeah, and you I'm have fascinated enjoyed, by Right, but but he's been very modest uh, when he opened Wonder Bar. Um, the, uh, there was a queue down the street, probably from <laughs> eight o'clock to right. one o'clock.
3: Well, that's unusual for a So they, decided, so they yes.
2: then decided that they would try and uh, take over the, the disco downstairs, which they'd done, and they spent loads, hundreds of thousands of pounds doing it up into the Wonder Bar ballroom. Right. So that, that would take the pressure off the queue. They've now probably got about 800 people oh, in Wonder yes. Bar, and the queue's bigger.
5: <laughs> so we thought... Quite unusually, uh, as well as described there, we had this bar. We thought it would, we knew the concept would be, it would be successful and people would enjoy it. But obviously, it's went out of the trap so quickly. Right. And it's very unusual to have a bar with people queuing to get it. It is, silly. yeah. So we thought, how do we deal with that? Because it's not a vanity project. You want people in enjoying themselves. We yeah. don't want it if people standing out in the cold. So we thought, let's let's attack this space downstairs. Let's turn it into the Wonder Bar Ballroom, and that'll deal with the queue. The queue, as well, has just highlighted has just got bigger. So, I mean,
3: we're very fortunate to be in that position. So, uh, so you're obviously ambitious. You're obviously not phased by the scale up of your business. So, I, I can see a glint in your eye. What's next? If you if you're willing to tell us. So, what's next? <laughs> I
5: think yeah, To just to go to uh, go back to your point, it's just numbers. When I was younger, <laughs> and it took me a while to learn that, actually. It's just, I think a lot of people, I was talking to a friend who operates a, a fantastic uh, small cafe, bar, restaurant. I think he's maybe got about 20, 25 staff. Right. I mean, I was telling my staff numbers, you know, currently we employ uh, over 175 staff. Brilliant. Uh, by Which the is en- brilliant for Glasgow. Brilliant. Yeah, by the end of 2023, we will be, I think we'll be around double that. We'll certainly be putting 100 between now and the end of the wow. year on top of that. And that's, again, from a standing start right. in 16 months. Um, but we were having this conversation uh, and he was saying, oh, those numbers frighten me. And I was saying, you actually just need to get your head around the fact that it's just numbers. That's, that's all it is. That's all it is. Yep. Yep. I mean, you guys will know that better than anybody. Yep. Um, it's just numbers and not to be frightened of that. And again, that is with scaling up. I think I realised. I uh, certainly before I open my first... Most people will open a small enterprise before they would open a nightclub as their first business. Yep. Um, you will work just as hard at a small enterprise as you will a big enterprise. Uh, yeah, it doesn't matter. Point. It doesn't matter whether it's a cafe for six people or a nightclub for 6,000 people. It's your business. You're going to work just as hard at that business as yeah. you will the huge business. So I'm all about trying to be bigger I guess mm. and it's not, an, it's not an egocentric thing it's just it makes more sense to work hard at an enterprise that's going to yield bigger results than an enterprise that won't mm. very interesting Ollie. yeah
2: and I think the model Tom when you see I think what you've done in all exchange square and, and I'm calling it the complex is amazing uh, thank you and the, all the places you've mentioned uh, you didn't mention the salon which is probably where we would go, Tom, a wee bit. So in the complex, there's something for everyone. There absolutely is. Yeah, you know, so you could take your son and daughter and let them go to the disco or go to the Wonder Bar, or you could be up in the salon having a beer waiting and you can take them out. So it's very much, you know, it's, it's, you know, of the way that maybe... um, 29 used to be. Of course. There different bits yeah, and pieces yeah. in there. But, so it's uh, in the form of uh, 29. But, now. but yeah. as, 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 as we, we talked earlier about Glasgow, and this is one of the shining lights, and, and the, the great news there is to find that this is all great and it sounds brilliant, but the big thing is only 350 jobs are being created.
5: I think that's yeah. a big thing. Yeah. And that's not lost on us. Yeah. Uh, and, and that I think that number will increase, even, it certainly will increase even more. I think the thing, just to touch on what you said there, Willie, um, is if I look at the Wonderbar Bar concept, the whole reason that I, I thought that concept would be such a success is, you guys will know how many times have you been into places, not just in Glasgow, but up and down the UK, where you go into a place and you think, I'm too old or I'm too young <laughs> or this isn't really the right fit for me. Yeah. And that was something that I, we wanted to absolutely smash in right. Wonder Bar.
3: Yeah.
5: It is genuinely and honestly an 18 to 75 80 years old marketplace we can get, in, you can get in you guys I mean I don't know if you'll be on past 11 o'clock at night but you can get in
2: <laughs> I've, got, I've got to say yeah, having seen the people enjoying themselves in Wonder Bar it's, it's, it's phenomenal phenomenal it's a great atmosphere and you see everybody enjoying themselves you can go to many places and watch a live act and sit and clap of course you can people are up dancing singing so um, I, I want to end by this By I was away at a, a, a wedding reception there in, in Barbados a few weeks ago Kev oh. and they had this sign Oh. silent disco, oh. yeah, the silent disco. <laughs> With the headphones. Right? And I thought, oh, but. I've never seen people having so much fun <laughs> and losing all their inhibitions because you think you're the only person that can hear the music. So maybe in the salon if for the older guys. Have you my diary, Willie? <laughs> Have you been looking at my diary? <laughs> that, may be, that may be coming to a Wonder Bar near you very Unbelievable. soon. Yeah, no, no, Unbelievable. I need to turn
3: on my hearing aid, Willie.
2: <laughs> uh, Kevin, phenomenal. Um, good luck to you. Keep creating jobs. And, Thank you, you guys. Know, and we'll keep plugging your business because you're, it's doing great for Glasgow.
5: Thank you. Thanks for having me on, guys.
3: I think, Kevin, when you, you can perhaps sometimes read the news or listen to the news and it's doom and gloom, but what we're about in this show is that people like you are just getting on with it. You're ignoring the noise. You're creating the jobs for these young folks. They're paying their taxes, which go to, hopefully, if the government invests it properly, eradicate poverty, but you're just getting on with it. So good on you, son. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on, guys. Wonderbar.
1: The Go Radio Business Show with Workflow Solutions, turning your paper based processes into an organized digital archive. Go!